So normally you're used to this podcast coming out once every two weeks. But you know what? We've got a bonus episode right here, right now for you. Liverpool are the champions of England. And we're here to give you our analysis and our perspective on a team that has a distinctly African flavor. Without question, we have to start with a man who's used to winning the Spirit Cup, who finally has a trophy to celebrate 30 years in the making, Courtney Fries, the scouser who came via Peter Maritzburg. <laughs> How does it feel? Zane, it's a momentous occasion for the club. Um, uh, a long time in wait for this particular, this particular trophy to land in our cabinet. Many other trophies have made it to our cabinet, but the one we've chased and chased for a very long time is the Premier League. Um, as a fan, as a diehard fan, that has just actually created a, ro- a lot of relief during this period because um, to win the Premier League, you have to be consistently good. And Liverpool have actually been better than consistently good. We've been better and beyond good. Um, and, 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 and that is just a measure. If you look at the points we accumulated last year, we, we got 97 points. We pushed Man City right to the very end. And Klopp went hard again this year. And um, the closest team to us is actually 23 points away at this point in time. We we were off air earlier and we were talking about Liverpool could go for 100. I actually don't want them to hit the 100 points. Firstly, what is that? There's nothing, there is no trophy for that. There's a history bookmark. But... The reason I don't want us to chase that record is during this period, the amount of injuries that are getting picked up by your players, I, I wouldn't want to risk that on any of our squad. Let them uh, finish the league. The points don't matter because we've won it. Start preparing for next year. But coming back to the win, I couldn't be more happy for the manager, for the town, for the people. I think it's a really good point, actually, you brought up about the... Um the injuries because Liverpool have an opportunity now to not only, uh, well, they've won the title, but they've got an opportunity to, to really prepare well for next season and have better preparation than any other club. Yeah. And that could start, you know, something, right? Because um, most clubs will have to be competing and, and, and playing for the rest of the season. Really good point. I, for one, would like to say congratulations. It's a very, very heavy heart that uh, does this. But congratulations to Mr. Freeze. Congratulations to the Many friends I have who unfortunately are Liverpool supporters. Uh, the many players we've worked with who have graced the mecca that is Anfield. Um, it is a great club and it actually is befitting to see them win the way they have won as well. It's actually from the start of play. I know uh, some have called it uh, heavy metal football, but out here in Cameroon, we call it Tam uh, Tam football. It's like a real African rhythm and real African vibes to it. And it's a joy to see the number of African players who play in this team, uh, the contribution that they've made to this success. So um, the main thing for me is that I really think it's a beautiful thing that Liverpool have won and the style in which they've won. But most importantly, as an African, it's a source of great pride to see just how many Africans have contributed to their success. And uh, wish they can, they can maintain. 
you know, Francis, you touch on such an important and interesting topic. You've got Salah, who's Egyptian, Mane, who's Senegalese, Keita, who's from Guinea. You've got Wijnaldum, who's got Afro-Surinam heritage, Matip, uh, Cameroonian, Gomez, Gambian, Origi, Kenyan. This is a team littered with some of the continent's finest players or players who are based in other countries with that African heritage. When Liverpool won 30 years ago in 1990, they had one African, and that was their very iconic goalkeeper, Bruce Grobler, the Zambian. Sorry, not the Zambian, the Zimbabwean, um, who was in goals. Um, And when we look at this Liverpool team, it's a great example of a multicultural team with a very strong African influence. And Ahmed, I know you spoke to Paul Gorst from the Liverpool Echo about that. Yeah, speaking of Paul was obviously very uh, useful to get some really good insight into how, as you mentioned, these African players have been so influential to this Liverpool side. And um, it's, it's, been, it's been amazing to see how many we've seen, you know, the main players, um, Mane and Salah, in these last two seasons who have really impressed in the sense that last year they, they won the Champions League, top goal scorers, uh, you know, they, they people could have said, well, they achieved a lot there and they could have stopped. But what's been really amazing is the competition that we've seen uh, and Paul will touch on later is that how um, they've egged each other on and, and competed with each other. And that's been really good to see. Um, obviously, huge congratulations to Liverpool and it's um, a lot of credit to you know, Klopp and, and how he's developed a lot of these players because you know, Mane and Salah when they first came in, you wouldn't have, you know, they were good players, but I personally wouldn't have thought that they would have gone on to what they've done. So um, credits there and, and how they Liverpool have managed to, every position that they needed to fix, they managed to get, a, a, a you know, the best replay, the best fix for that, you know, it was a centre-back and goalkeeper and they've really gone on to, to, to do well. So, um, yeah, it's been great to see. Absolutely. And I think it's time for us to tee up that Paul Ghost interview. So uh, we'll hit pause for a minute and uh, listen to Paul from the Liverpool Echo to get his analysis on Liverpool's success. So, yeah, thanks, Paul, for coming on uh, to chat to us today. I think um, on the Whistle podcast, our focus really is on African players and an African voice. Um, so for us, Liverpool has been a real key highlight, given the fact that we've got four African players who've, who are influential to the side, and, and another, a number of others who've got African heritage. And this is one of the first kind of sides I've seen in, in the recent Premier League era, which we've had such a large number of African players influential to winning the title. Um, so I guess as a, as a Liverpool correspondent, um, we're kind of really interested to hear from you. How influential have Mo Salah and Sadio Mane been towards that uh, Klopp's um, side and, and his tactical uh, influence that he wanted to put on? How have they helped him in that sense? Oh, I mean, there's no question that they're the two, the two superstars of this Liverpool team, aren't they? I mean, you can talk about Alisson Becker being the, the best goalkeeper in the world and Virgil van Dijk being the, the, the best centre-back in the world, but... It's Salah and Mane, whose who's goals that Liverpool rely on so much. And there's almost a bit of a friendly rivalry between the pair. I mean, I think we've seen back at uh, Burnley in was it August or September when Salah didn't pass to Mane and, and Mane was uncharacteristically uh, really angry about that. And it was a little bit of a storm in a teacup. And I think that just showed how the how there is a rivalry there, but it's it's, uh, it's a friendly one. And both players are kind of two who who try and be, be the main man. I mean, Salah is now up to 21 goals for the season and, and Mane is on to 19, I think. So they're always trying to kind of outdo each other and, and be the, the top scorer for this Liverpool team. And 
Uh, it was the same last season. Both were on 26 before Mohamed Salah scored the penalty in the, the Champions League final that, that basically put him up to 27 and, and he nudged past Mane to be Liverpool's top scorer. So I think I think that rivalry kind of drives both of them on and, and it, it spares them on to become world-class talents and, and obviously help this Liverpool team. So there's no doubt about it. I mean, as good as Roberto Firmino is, it is the, the, the two guys on the flanks that, that are the main goal threat for Liverpool and, and you know they are undoubtedly superstars. Is that rivalry also on the, off the pitch as well, or is they, are they kind of good friends off the pitch? And um, is it just kind of when they get on that on that field, they have that rivalry? I, I think that's an interesting one. I mean, I, I don't think they're... I wouldn't say that they're best friends, but I don't think there's any kind of animosity between the pair. I think that, you know, they are just very, very competitive. I think uh, Mohamed Salah is very close with, with Dale Lovren, and, and you, you, you see kind of their friendship on social media and so on. But um, I, I think... I think there's undoubtedly a little bit of, I mean, I hesitate to say it's it's kind of an animosity thing, but there's certainly a little bit of rivalry between the pair to be Liverpool's main man. And, and I think I think Salah is kind of, you know, leading the way there. He is Liverpool's kind of superstar, isn't he? He, he does have a, a kind of brand of his own and he's got so many followers. And, and I think being the, the superstar of, of Egypt kind of helps that with a country of, such such a big population, close to around about 100 million, and, and he's the poster boy for that. I think that comes from having never played for two of Egypt's biggest teams, where there is a, a deep rivalry between the pair. So he's kind of enjoy, enjoyed, and, and you know, um, it, pretty much everyone in Egypt football is, is a fan of him because of that. So I think he is Liverpool's main man off the pitch, but on the pitch, it, it's a toss-up, isn't it? I mean, both both are, are fantastic footballers. You know, it depends what what you look for in a in the superstar football, but both are fantastic and Liverpool are lucky to have the pair. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's going to, yeah, you said it really well and how, you know, they're both in their own country as well, huge, huge superstars and, and it's um, it's great to see they're kind of really well uh, respected on that. And I guess in terms of, you know, you know uh, Klopp's moved, uh, I know Salah, he's moved his kind of playing style a bit and, and moved him around more flexible role, but I'm, I'm saying kind of what, what has he done to 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 Mane and to Salah, uh, to Salah to lift them from that level because they both came from uh, Mane from Southampton, Salah from Roma. They were good players, but they weren't, you know, they weren't. I think with Mane it was an interesting one because he come from Southampton and, and I think I, th- I think if you ask Southampton fans, they'd say that that team with Virgil van Dijk and, and Sadio Mane and, and, and a few others, I think they finished, was it seventh or sixth in the Premier League one season and I think that's probably the, the, one of the greatest Southampton sides that there's ever been. So Liverpool kind of plucked him from there, and 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 he was he was the main man, but it, but he was playing on the right of a front three at the time in his first season, <clears throat> and he I think he finished his joint top goal scorer alongside Philippe Coutinho, and probably would have finished as top scorer, but he he got injured on the first of April in the Merseyside derby that basically ended his season, you know, six weeks early. Uh, <clears throat> then when Salah came in, he had to adjust to a new position. He got moved out to the left. Where you know he was flourishing on the right, so he had to kind of adjust to a new position. And to be fair to him, he he kind of grasped the nettle and, and he ended up improving as a player. I think he finished that season with 20 goals. Uh, the last one was obviously in the Champions League final against Real Madrid, and really started to show that he was a player capable of performing on the world stage. And he's only just gone gone and got better. You know, every, every year I think he was in the, the top five or six in the Ballon d'Or in December, and he's just growing and growing every single season. And once again, he's done that this season, and there are still seven games to go for Liverpool, so he's got plenty of time to kind of get a few more goals and, and really show that he is one of the, one of the superstars of world football. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's, it's kind of that's 
great answer there. I think one one other aspect um, to kind of Liverpool as a, as a city more as well is that uh, I've been, I was reading how Salah's changed a lot of um, you know reduced Islamophobia in the city and brought a city together. Have you felt that you know that, that these two players have done that and and their influence that their African heritage has done that? And I know there's a lot of other African heritage players at Liverpool. You've got Wijnaldum. Um, you know, Matip, Gomez, who's a heritage from Gambia. Do you think that that has helped the city as a whole? <clears throat> I mean, I, that's a difficult one because I, I don't see too much Islamophobia from day to day in, in this city, to be honest. Liverpool is a, a, a multicultural and, and diverse city, certainly the, the south end of the city where, where I live. So I don't see too much of that day to day anyway. But, I mean, <clears throat> the, 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 there's a song that, that some Liverpool fans sung at the time, or Salah, where it was sung to... I can't remember the song that it was sung to, but it was kind of, um, if, if he scores another few, then I'll become Muslim too. And it was kind of a little bit of a, um, almost like a, a tongue-in-cheek kind of celebration of, of Salah's heritage. And, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I have read some stats about Islam, Islamophobia kind of decreasing because of because of that. And, um, you know, that, that, that that's great. It's, it's great to see. And I think <clears throat> I think Mane kind of helps out at his local mosque um, in, in the city and, um, I think you know he's obviously deeply religious and, and he's, got, he's got his beliefs and it, it's it's fantastic to see. I mean, as I say, Liverpool is, is a widely diverse, multicultural city. It always has been, to be honest, and, and it's it's great to see that these two guys are kind of the, the poster boys for that for that in this city at the moment. Yeah, no, that's that, that's yeah, very well put. I think really I completely agree. I think it's it's great to see that they are poster boys and 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 how kind of you know two guys who we never thought maybe four or five years ago would be winning a Premier League, winning a Champions League and going on to do that. And you're kind of yeah, very proud proud of them uh, for for that. And I guess, so do you think kind of, you know, going forward now, um, next season, what 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 can, you know, th- th- those two players do? Because they're now at a stage where they're going to be want, com- wanting to compete with each other. They want, might want to go for a Ballon d'Or. They might want to, so they're competing for the Af- Best African Player of the Year award. And, How's that going to go forward next? Are they going to keep that same competitiveness and 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 maybe win another trophy? How how do you see it? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think um, you know they'll kind of push each other on to to be the absolute best he could be. I think both of them want to be the the main man. And I've never actually spoken to to Salah. He, he kind of shies away from the media after games, and and he's very very respectful, but almost re- uh, hesitant to to speak to, to reporters. But uh, Mane, I've spoken to him a couple of times, and he's very softly spoken and. Um, almost kind of not be fitting of a, of a superstar profile, but he's certainly got that on the pitch. And, and I think both of them will kind of push each other on. And they're at an age now, I think they're both 28, and um, I think they're at an age now where you're kind of coming in to see a prime as an attacker. And um, it's going to be fascinating to see you know, what they can go on and, and achieve with this Liverpool team that, for me, at the moment, is probably the, the best in world football. So it's going to be, going to be great to be able to, to witness that over the next couple of years. Yeah, I completely agree, and hopefully Liverpool are going to go on to win more more trophies with them and and, and as a team. Anyway, um, so yeah, so it's, uh, it's it's been a great season for you guys, and 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 hopefully it may continue. Um, Paul, thank you very much for for coming on to chat. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Cheers. Paul Gorse there from the Liverpool Echo. So, gentlemen, I have one question to ask you all before we end this pod. Can Liverpool build a dynasty similar to the team that dominated English football in the 70s and 80s? Ahmed, let's start with you. I mean, yeah, I think um, they definitely have the potential to. Um, if you look at the 
the players are still not all at their kind of peak. You know, you've got Trent Alexander, who's still really young and, and got huge potential. Um, I, I just I look at Salah, for example. Um, he's he's now won everything that he wanted to. He's won the Champions League, won the Premier League. Um, I do remember a couple of years ago, um, maybe after his first season with Liverpool and that huge success and how he was linked with other clubs and Barcelona and Real Madrid and. I remember speaking to his agent and, and they, you know, they did have interest. And it seems now the question is whether, I mean, what, I don't know, but what does Salah have that desire then to build a legacy or does he want to go to Real Madrid? Does he want to go to Barcelona? And that's a question really for him. Um, um, but by all means, there is a potential for Liverpool to build a leg legacy in terms of the players they've got um, and especially a lot of the young players that they've got coming through. Um, but we'll see if, if they can keep on to those top players because um, you, you do get, you know, the Real Madrid's, Liverpool's, Bayern Munich, even trying to to pinch those those top players. Well, I for one think um, Liverpool have the potential to, at the very least, compete to build a legacy. Um, the legacy is already in progress. Um, if we're to look at what they already achieved with the Champions League, and now with the Premier League, for example, you can already begin to see how a generation of talent is delivering on the field. But I think the most important thing, in my opinion, is the ability to see how the club has fitted itself properly into the modern age. So you have American ownership um, with uh, talent from across the globe, uh, playing with uh, one of the best young managers out of Germany. Uh, they're building, I believe, a new training facility. Uh, there's still talk around the stadium and where they're pushing the brand in terms of the marketing of Liverpool um, has stepped into the new age. So they're targeting new fans. I know they're already developing the esports uh, proposition in partnership with EA. I know they're having those conversations. So I think the American ownership has brought a really dynamic energy to a traditional club. And I think that speaks volumes for the nature of the new game. But I don't think we can see in England, or we will see in England, the ability for one team to dominate, generationally speaking, the way maybe Manchester United did in the past. Because Solskjaer, I believe, touched on this early on in this week, or over the weekend, where he was saying it's a lot more difficult these days to win and repeat the wins, because when United were able to do it, for example, maybe there was... Chelsea competing with them for three or four seasons or uh, an Arsenal, they kind of took turns. But now you have five or six teams at any one point in time that all have the same mix of talent, of ownership, fan base, of marketing and ambition. So it's extremely competitive, but it makes the mix extremely exciting because the team I still look at and that excites me on the margins is Tottenham. And at the same time, another team I look at that excites me is Wolverhampton. And you can only imagine that if more money goes into Wolves or better management structure comes into Tottenham, that they too will want to do the same thing and they too will get their turn. Um, so it's exciting. For English football, I think it's truly fascinating. I think it's amazing and wonderful that Liverpool have had their turn or are having their turn, but I don't think anybody can dominate because my darling man United will come back one day, no matter how long it takes. Just making reference to something that Owen de Goma spoke about in one of our previous podcasts is the leadership. If you want to build a dynasty, 
you have to have the right leadership in place. And the leadership need to know exactly what they want to do with the club. The American owners have come in, uh, Francis was just talking about this. They've expanded the, 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 the brand of the club, the sponsorships. They've went out and got one of the most promising uh, hyped up managers you could get out there. And he has transformed the team. His leadership abilities, he's brought belief from players that nobody actually um, thought much of. And, and when we first went out and purchased Mane, I can remember people saying, 32 million for Sadio Mane, he's not worth that. Uh, Mohamed Salah, 33 million that we paid for him. Uh, but this manager's come in and created an element of belief. To go on and, and, and win 13, 14 Premier League trophies, I doubt that will ever happen because the league is at its strongest now, as Francis said. There's not two teams that you are involved in this competition. There's six or seven. And I believe Tottenham will get better. I believe Chelsea will get better. And it'll make this league harder to win. And in that, then you've got to throw out the rough diamonds like Wolves, which Francis also mentioned. There's a team well-managed, players working and sacrificing for the manager. Um, I, I just think to build a dynasty in this era, it'll almost be like the NFL where teams win, uh, different teams win more regularly than the same team. Um, I, I, I just think that it's going to be hard, but I'm just happy at what Liverpool has currently done. And guys, if you're interested in listening to that Owned Gama podcast, you can find us on your favorite podcast hosts. We're there or go to our Twitter accounts and you can search for the Owned Gama podcast. He gave brilliant insight on leadership, on Bafana Bafana, on South Africa's World Cup legacy. And uh, also feel free to contact us on our social media accounts. You can hit us up at OTW underscore podcast or on our Facebook page on the Whistle podcast. Let us know, do you think Liverpool can achieve a dynasty? Can they be a team that emulates their great teams from the 70s and the 80s? Or, like the rest of the panel, do you think the Premier League is just too competitive and too hard? We want to hear from you. Do get in touch. As always, gentlemen, thank you for uh, coming out for this extra episode. It's been fun recording it. Thank you, Courtney. Keep the beers, keep the beers flowing. Francis, you're not going to be back for another 10 years. That's my prediction. And Ahmed, focus on cups. Because Tottenham <laughs> are going to be good at those. <laughs> wow. Francis, you need wow. to come. So, insulting. I'm, I'm, I'm lost for words. I wish we could even win one cup. <laughs>